Sports Squad with Io and Chanel. Hello and welcome to Sports Squad here on Fun Kids. I'm Io and with me is Chanel. Chanel, I have had a pretty good week. I've been playing a lot of tennis. What have you been up to? I did some trampolining over the weekend, tried to get some of my old skills back, like my back hamstring. But it was so hot, so I actually just ended up lying on the trampoline to do some sunbathing. It actually makes a really good sunbed. <laughs> classic, absolute classic. You know, in yoga, there's a move they call lying down called the savasana. I like to think you were savasnaing for a good 20, 30 minutes of your day. I rate that. Right, coming up on the show is also the world of sports news, and our big guest is someone who's made cricket history. Sports Squad with Io and Chanel. Okay, let me introduce you to our first guest because in 1966, England won the Football World Cup. In 2003, England won the Rugby Union World Cup. And then in 2019, England, after many years of trying, finally won the Cricket World Cup. I'm so glad to say our guest today was a key member of that history-making team. Liam Plunkett, welcome to Sports Squad, sir. Absolute pleasure. How are you guys? Yeah, not bad at all. You know what? Usually we always, uh, at the beginning of the programme, we always ask people what they've been up to in lockdown. I just want to bypass that and just want to talk about the Cricket World Cup because, you know, we, we mentioned it there at the intro. You guys made history. And also, let's not forget, this was being played in England. There's a lot of pressure on the shoulders of this team. Were you nervous all the way through it? I think for me, I'm lucky because I'm quite experienced in cricket. I've been playing for a lot of years. And I knew this was probably going to be my last World Cup. So my aim was just to enjoy the experience. And this group of guys that have been together for the last four years. So when we came to this two-month period, it was like everyone's close to each other. Everyone knows what everyone likes and dislikes. And you know how people perform. So as a bunch of cricketers, it was just good to be along with that ride and play some really good cricket. I don't believe in too much superstitions, but I felt like the stars aligned. And I felt like we were going to win that competition, even when it went down to that super over. Hopefully goes down as the best game of cricket ever played and I was fortunate to play in that but yeah it was it sunk in a few weeks after and it was really one of those moments when people say do you remember where you were it was just so incredible even thinking back at it now the match finished tied with England and New Zealand both making 241 then there was a tie break super over you both scored 15 runs each but England won the match on most boundaries scored in all that excitement was there a moment where you thought do you know what We've got this. I did believe it uh, when we were, we were chasing. And that super over, when we went out and we had Joss and Stokesy, who can hit the ball many miles. I'm so mm. glad it was them two out at the wicket. And when it came down to us bowling, Joffre is one of the best death balls in, in the world. Mm. When he bowled the perfect Yorker that was given a wide, at that point, I was like, oh, this might not be uh, go our way. And that was only the one time I thought about that. But then he came back and, yeah, the rest is history. How much of the weight of the country did you feel on your shoulders? Because the last four years, without being too like, arrogant and stuff about yeah. the team, but we've won series in Australia, we've won like, in South Africa, we've, in, in every country we've, we've had dominated different teams. We feel like we've trained hard, everyone's got fitter, everyone's improved on the skills. Yep, it's a good pressure. I felt we were at a place where we could deal with it. As soon as the World Cup started, we, we didn't let off. We still work hard and did them little 1% as they say in sport and everyone backed each other and enjoyed the ride and when we got beat it wasn't all right heads down let's heads up let's go on to the next game and and, and that's what we did. Chanel do you want to come in on this one? From a personal point of view in the final you took three wickets including New Zealand's best batsman then made a crucial 10 runs what were you feeling were you pleased with your own performance? Yeah in my for the bowling I I didn't start too uh, too well 
at Lords, I, it was bowling down the hill. When I started the first two overs, I was like, oh, it's not going to be my day today. But I managed to switch around and come on and bowl up the hill and get the few wickets. And I was happy with the bowling performance. I felt like I helped shift momentum for us. When I was on the balcony, when we were batting, I think in my mind, I thought I was going to go out there and hit 35 off 16 balls and win the World Cup. But that, but that didn't happen. But I'm glad that I managed to get a boundary away and add 10 runs to a partnership with, with Stokesy. What is it like to win the World Cup? You're the best one-day team in the world. Can you put that into words? Amazing. That's one thing, amazing, right? So as a, a child growing up, when I was playing junior cricket, under eight, under 11, I always used to watch World Cup finals and I always imagined I would play. And as a kid, sometimes whatever sport you do, and whether it's football and you're playing with your friends, it's like you need to score this goal to win the World Cup final. And I was actually in that position. I was playing in the World Cup. Yeah, to be with such a group of great guys and friends and win that is amazing. I remember winning a gold medal for winning the 1500 metres or even the egg and spoon race when I was much younger and I slept with it under my pillow. What did you do with your World Cup medal during the night after? I slept with it around my neck pretty much like what you did. <laughs> uh, I remember we still had our one-day kit on. We had a team do downstairs at the hotel and I think I had some more room service upstairs with my wife. I still had my one-day kit on with my medal around my neck. And I think I uh, was exhausted and passed out with it around my neck. And for breakfast, had it on for breakfast, had it on for lunch the next day, and for dinner. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> Surprised you haven't got it on for this interview, mate. I think it's hid away. I think my mum and dad have got it in a vault somewhere. <laughs> Winning the tournament, it's got so many kids playing cricket. My school even started playing, and I started playing. Yeah, it has. Absolutely, because the 2005 Ashes, there was a massive increase in cricket, and everyone loved cricket. Uh, and it sort of felt like it's been a bit of a dip. And it was so exciting to win that and inspire younger generations. I've got uh, nieces and nephews who all play cricket, the 13 and 14-year-old, and they're so excited. And after the World Cup, we went out to different clubs and different schools, and you see how excited the kids were to play cricket. And, and, and that's what a massive bonus for playing cricket for England, for these kids to watch, is for them, for you to be the hero for that moment and make them excited to play. And obviously with what's going on now, Hopefully yeah. after this, we can all still, the kids can still enjoy cricket and with the weather, hopefully the kids are playing in the garden with the family members. Yeah, it's a wonderful game to play in and I'm hoping, you know, that the, the popularity of it grows. And I'm always a fan of, you know, when people say the reason why people play is because they've seen role models on screen and there's nothing better as a role model than to actually win one of the biggest prizes. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. for me was, that's the last game I played. Mm. So for me, I'm 35 years old and if someone told me uh, through my England career, I started with England, then I had a dip out. I didn't play for six, seven years, and I never thought I would come back. But to play the last four years, someone to say to me, when you're 34, you're going to win the World Cup, I would have snapped your hand off. All right, Liam, thank you so much for this. I know you're going to stick around because I know you've definitely got a challenge for our listeners as well. Sports Squad Challenge. Each week, we ask our sports star to give a challenge, something to maybe improve their skills in the, in the chosen sport. So what is your challenge for our listeners? For me, as a youngster, what I would do is I'd put a target up, uh, whether it's stumps or whether it's a lamppost or a box or a tree. Uh, and I would start one metre away and I would try and hit the target with a tennis ball. Then I'll go back a metre, another metre. But if you miss, you have to go back to the start and see how far you can go. Can you go 10 metres, 12 metres? And that, for me, was something that zoned me in. And I think that's helped me further on in my, in my career. Hopefully, you don't need too much space and you can do it in the street. I used to do it outside on the lamppost in my, my parents' home. Yeah, I think I maybe got to 12 or 
13, 14, 15 metres and how far can you go. But just remember, if you mess up, you've got to go back to number one. Great challenge, and obviously, if you are doing this challenge, make sure you send it to us on the Fun Kids website. Liam, how fit do you have to be to be a professional cricketer? If anyone's obviously not a cricket fan, they must look at it and think, Oh, they've got all these long games, it goes on a fair bit, doesn't it? You know, how fit do you have to be, and how on your game do you have to be uh, to be a professional cricketer? Since I've started, it's the fitness has went to a different level, to be honest with you. Especially with England, you get your contract. You have to hit different goals, mm. uh, and, and it's like a fining system now. If you don't, if you don't make certain goals and like running tests, yo-yo tests, and the two K time trial, and everyone's individual. Someone might be weaker at a certain part, and you get tested on that. But if you don't hit your goals, you get fined. So right, right, interesting. Yeah. So I think now when you see the guys and how intense it is in the T Twenty and, and the World Cup and the fifty over games, you, you're non-stop in a field. Everyone's got a specific field and position. So. At the end of them one-day game, if I've got like the GPS on, you, you've done like 17, 18K in the day. So, wow. And then obviously you've got your training days where you're doing your 10Ks and the games are back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So mm-hmm. it's a different fitness, right? It's specific for cricket, I guess. So, Liam, an absolute pleasure. This has been so nice and amazing to speak to a, a Cricket World Cup winner. You've made history, sir. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure speaking to you both. The World of Sports Squad. I tell you what, Liam Plunkett is an absolute legend. I can't believe we got a Cricket World Cup winner on the show. Right, Chanel, your turn now. What have you been finding from the world of sport? First of all, have you ever been to a drive-in movie? I actually have, because my parents live in America, and um, I've actually been to one in the southern states of America. you basically got to tune in your radio to the frequency of the movie, and you can sit in the comfort of your own car with your popcorn and your drink, or maybe your hot dog, and you watch this amazing movie. It's actually quite a wonderful experience. I've seen them in American movies, but never been to one myself. But sport has resumed in Britain, with horse racing and snooker behind closed doors, so no fans allowed. But in Denmark, they're staging not drive-in movies, but drive-in football matches. Danish Superliga leaders FC Midtjylland set up two giant screens in their stadium car park for their home game against AC Horsens, so supporters could turn up in their vehicles to watch, and they could also listen to their match commentary on their car radios. People turned up in all sorts of vehicles, not just cars, but vans, motorbikes, all decked out in team colours and flags. And some people turned up in real style. Probably like you, Io, you probably turn up in a stretch limo. Okay, I don't think you know just how much money I've got. I'm more like a hatchback kind of guy, all right? That's, that's kind of my finances right now. But what an amazing occasion, because actually it makes it such a special moment to be able to watch your football team in the novelty of your own motor vehicle. It's really nice, actually. And I reckon, back to all the sort of suggestions that we're getting, how do we get more people engaged? I definitely know that the Premier League have got some free-to-air games which are going to be shown on the likes of the BBC. But to actually watch Arsenal in my car in a drive-in sort of movie scenario with a nice glass of Coca-Cola in my hand, mm, that sounds pretty decent, man. It's so cool, honestly. Like, gives a very vintage feel. <laughs> it does. Very vintage feel. I like your style. So who won? Despite the home crowd, Misseland lost 1-0, but they are still top of the league. <laughs> All that effort and your team still lost. I guess it's more to do with the actual atmosphere and it's actually more to do with being there and then sharing something with so many people. And I guess because everyone's been locked down, it must be nice to still have that sense of community with all the fans of your football team as well. Thank you very much for that, Chanel. Well, sadly, that's all we've got time for on today's show. It's goodbye from Chanel. Bye.
And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Sports Squad is brought to you with the support of the Audio Content Fund. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoy the programme, please review us and rate us as well. We'll catch you next time. I'm James Stewart. And in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.